Hi everyone, my name is Emily Lopez and welcome to Live Laugh Formula One, a very chaotic Formula One podcast. My goodness, hello everyone, welcome back. The audio sounds a little bit more crisp, I would hope so. Um, I got new little mini mics. As you can see, I'm pretty hyped for today's episode. Um, There's a lot to discuss. Okay, first GP of the week, of the season, of the week. <laughs> oh man, maybe I'm maybe I'm like too excited to record, but anyways, we survived the Bahrain Grand Prix, but as a Ferrari fan, did I really survive? Are we driving to survive right now? Or are we trying to survive? Because let me tell you, this weekend, race weekend, was intense. There was just so much that was going on and so much that I couldn't never have predicted. Like, my predictions were just so far off <laughs> that I was just like, wow. But we're going to get into it. I finally, finally get to discuss paddock fashion with you guys. I get to discuss so many things that I've been so excited to implement with the start of the season. And then, of course... We're going to talk about predictions for Saudi Arabia, what we have, what we think is going to happen. We're going to talk about some things that are unfortunately going to be implemented there as well. Talk about some possible penalties. Ay, ay, ay. And of course, we have questions at the end of the episode. And then, of course, keeping up with our favorite guys at the grid. So please grab a snack, do a face mask, give yourself a pedicure, lay down in a tub. I don't know. Go drive around. Whatever is going to help you get through this with me today, let's do it. Okay, let's start with the beginning. So much happened during FP1 that I was like, okay, this is the first time that I have really indulged or try to watch every single thing that F1 TV is covering for GP Weekend. So... I took notes, again, with my handy-dandy little notes app, and I've numbered them one through nine because it's all of the notes I had for FP1. And I didn't take notes for FP2 or FP3 or Quali, um, and we'll get to why in a second. But number one, arrow rakes on Williams, Slay. I mean, get as much data as you can. I don't. I didn't know that was like you were allowed to do that, but I guess it makes sense since they're just practicing. So love that for them. Um, a snap on Oscar, scary few, um, because he was going zoom, zoom. What? <laughs> Sometimes I don't know what I'm talking about, but you know what? We'll just, we'll assume, I think something had happened with the McLaren car and I was like, <laughs> interesting. Um, another note I had was I can smell something burning, which was a direct quote from Logan. And I put Logan question mark, question mark in all caps. Next note, I had understeer, dot, 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 understeer, all caps, question mark, question mark, Ferrari. Yeah, that's all I had to say (laughs) about that. Next note was, babe, why is the MF rear wing shaking like bacon on Charles' car? Listen, this was only the beginning. I guess the understeer was the beginning of Ferrari chaos for race weekend. Uh, why can't Alpine keep the pink car all season? She is so cute. Okay, I understand that Alpine, Alpine, I, we're we're still working. I'll figure out how to pronounce it here soon. <laughs> but 
Um, the pink livery, I think, is so, 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 so gorgeous. And they're only keeping it for the first three races. But I think they should keep it all season. It's so cute. Fits the team colors well. I'm so used to them having a pink car. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's one of my notes. And then I said, everyone say hi, Lance. Welcome back. You're a trooper for undergoing surgery and then getting back into the car within a week. Insane. Um, and then when Carlos spun out, I wrote, my heart damn near fell out of my ass because it almost did. I was like, er. And then last but not least, I have the pains of being a Ferrari fan have begun, but I am hopeful. And I was indeed hopeful. And I still am hopeful. You know what? Because if anything, we have avoided the barring curse at all costs. But I will say, keeping up with everything that was being covered was like insane sleeping hours yet again. I of watching FP2 and FP3. I did not do that. I watched clips and like tuned in for a little bit. But um, in terms of keeping up with all of that, school and work was a little chaotic. So although I did get to watch clips and watch parts of them, um, there wasn't really detailed notes that I took over it, other than the fact that every car was performing, you know, how they were supposed to, for the most part. And quality, listen, I woke up. And I made the mistake of watching Quali from my bed, from the comfort of my bed. Like I didn't just move my little butt over to my desk or something and just turned my body to the TV screen and I fell back asleep. So when I woke up, it was like the <laughs> post Quali show or some interview was happening. Something was playing and I was like, no, I missed it. And then immediately got on my phone and saw the starting positions, which we're going to discuss today because we just have to compare and contrast how drastically everything kind of just went from that moment, from quality to actual position where everyone ended on the grid <laughs> after the race, which again, shows to speak or speaks volumes, not shows to speak, but speaks volumes on how unpredictable this sport is and how unpredictable F1 is. So let's see. Okay, so I found the data. So we're going to talk about, um, this was after qualifying, okay? So we had a one-two from... Verstappen and Perez for Red Bull. And then we had a 3-4 <laughs> from Ferrari with Leclerc and Sainz. Leclerc in third, Sainz in fourth. It's so weird reading this with their last names and not their first names, but um, we'll just we'll just continue with last names for now. And then in fifth, we had the Aston Martin with Alonso in fifth. Six and seven were a six and seven from Mercedes with Russell in sixth, Hamilton in seventh. We had an eighth for the Aston Martin with Stroll. Ninth, Alpine, Ocon. Tenth, Haas with Ockenberg. Eleventh, McLaren with Norris. We had a twelfth and thirteenth from Alfa Romero with Bottas and Joe. 
14th and 15th. Oh no, just 14th with the Alphatari with Sonoda, 15 and 16th from Williams, Albon in 15th, Sargent in 16th, Haas was at 17th with Magnuson, 18th, McLaren, Piastri, 19th, Alphatari, DeVries, and then 20th, Alpine with Gasly. And to my understanding, that was more engine related, not himself. But comparing and contrasting that data from last year's grid to this year's grid, there was a lot of closer in times. There was like a lot of teams that followed each other, right? We had Red Bull paired, Ferrari paired. Mercedes paired, Williams paired, and the Mercedes standing in between Alonso and Stroll, and then just kind of everywhere else. But in compared to 2022, the Bahrain grid, it was an intermix of there was no really pairs of teams that were following each other. Which does this mean that every single car, you know, I've, I don't know, I've never seen a starting grid like that, but, you know, that's just how it goes. So for pole position in qualifying, we did have Verstappen because I will say Red Bull built a fucking missile when it comes to their car. It was so fast. At one point, the gap between everyone was 15 seconds. It was truly max against the world in Bahrain, which was insane to view. And comparing that to how the race ended, let's go to my notes on the race. I did take notes. Aston Martin's touch. <laughs> this is not part of El Plan. I still, I mean, I'm pretty sure he knows now. Um, Fernando Alonso knows that Lance was the one who gave him a little love tap. Um, but just to see that, I was like, oh, I really, I'm very happy it didn't get worse. Um, which, if you know how Bahrain did end. Um, it did not get worse and the car was still drivable. And then my number two was six seconds faster. Max is truly in his own world right now, which prevailed its way till the end. He truly was in his own little world. You know, the audio that's like, and I'm spinning like a ballerina. That was him. Like he was just doing his own thing. He was slaying. And oh man, my heart shattered for Oscar Piastri. Because his car just like gave out. He had got his way up to P8, boxed again, was changing his steering wheel, and then bam, a DNF. That was so heartbreaking because in starting position, he was an 18th, P18, which to get up to P8, that is insane. He had moved up 10 places with all the chaos that was going on. Um. So, yeah, I feel really bad. But again, it is not like, you know, not the rookie debut he was expecting. But nonetheless, I think moving up 10 places is just enough to demonstrate that he truly is a talent. And I am excited to see where his career takes him in F1. But ugh, rough start. <laughs> I was just being petty, um, like majority of every every fan was on social media. But Looks like Daniel wasn't the problem, huh, McLaren? And then, again, reliability issues with the McLarens. Lando had to box, I think, a total of eight times, which, 
usually strategists have like a one to two at most three stops within a race, but it was just chaos. And he did finish the race. Um, Lando did finish, but you know, the reliability issues, not cute, not cute. Um, and then <laughs> Esty Bestie, Bestie Esty, Esteban Ocon was on one. He had so many penalties this race, um, speeding in the pit lane, being the one that I highlighted. I wrote, babe, dot, 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 speeding in the pit lane, Bestie Esty, come on now. It was just, I mean, wow. <laughs> I think in total, um, he had 35 seconds worth of penalties, which is a lot. So everyone was kind of on one this race. And then seven and eight, the most heartbreaking thing, Charles' car failure, engine failure, completely gave out. DNF, an all caps, no, Charles, no. And then the marvelous overtakes of Fernando Alonso. El plan is planning, okay? The plan is planning. And then I put in parentheses, sorry, Carlos. Also, I'm very part, like proud of where Carlos ended. All right, you know what? He held strong for Scuderia Ferrari. He did that. Um, but that overtake was something gorgeous from Fernando Alonso on his end. And then... Of course, shout out to the Red Bulls ending with a one-two. Fabulous. They're in their own world, doing their own thing. Do I think they're necessarily unbeatable? Do I think that someone can't, you know, pull out with a win? I don't think they might win every race, but um, when the gap is like 15 seconds, that definitely puts a little damper out there. Um, They're just in their own world. They did that thing. I mean the engineers, mechanics, everyone who put their all into the car. Clearly, strategists, they know what they're doing. And then, of course, El Plan is still planning. Amazing job to Fernando Alonso for finishing in P3. So let's discuss how everyone else ended. In 4P4, we have Signs, 5th, Hamilton, 6th, Stroll, Russell in seventh, eighth went to Bottas, ninth Gasly, tenth Albon, in eleventh it was Sonoda, twelfth Sargent, thirteenth Magnussen, fourteen DeVries, fifteenth Ulkenberg, sixteenth Joe, seventeenth Norris, eighteenth Ocon, nineteenth Leclerc, and twentieth Piastri. So there were three DNFs, which, okay, all those penalties for SD Bestie, Bestie SD, just for him to end up a DNF. <sighs> sigh, sigh, like side eye, sigh, all of the above. It was just, wow. And, yeah, I mean, Chaos, chaos indeed. But this does open up the floor of possibility for what could happen in Saudi Arabia. So let's get into what I predict will happen in Saudi Arabia. Realistically, we've seen quite a bit of riot. Oh, riot. 
quite a bit of reliability issues with some of the cars. I do believe that McLaren can get up to top 10. I don't know which one. Now, I would really hope it would be Lando Norris. He has proven he can get up there. He's been on podium before, so I believe he can get up there. But just with this year's car, I, I'm not too sure of where at. Um, Piastri, you know, he had gotten up to P8 and there was still quite about a big amount of the race left. But I mean, just to get up there from where he had started is amazing. So I do believe that one, if not both of the McLarens could put up a fight for P10 around that area if given the car. So if some by some miracle within the next week in a perfect world, all cars can get their issues fixed, right? Um, I would really love to see Charles on podium next week. Hopefully a win, you know, that Ferrari in me is talking, Ferrari girl in me is talking, Ferrari fan in me wishing, manifesting. Um, I don't know. I think I'd like to see a little bit of a battle from just that moment. I mean, Charles did manage to get up to P2 um, after the first corner at yesterday's GP, or I guess I am recording this on Monday, but at the Grand Prix in Bahrain, he did manage to get up to P2. Uh, First but second held it out, and it was a beautiful battle. But, you know, I do believe that the gap could get down. I mean, at one point it was 15 seconds, but I think the minimal point or, like, the average was, like, five to six, which is still quite a big gap, don't get me wrong, but a lot more manageable and a lot better than 15 for sure. So I think there can be a battle for a win. I'd love to see some brilliant overtakes. We did see some grand ones this past weekend. So I do believe we could see a little bit more of those. I do believe that Aston Martin and Mercedes Ferrari can have like an incredible fighting chance to either end up P2 or P3 in the constructors. In a perfect world, you know, my team would be winning the constructors, but we'll see. This It's only the first, the first race that has happened, but I do believe that we will get to see some like shifts and movements within the midfield upper field and maybe the lower field who knows I mean it's anyone's game at this point but um, there is a lot of reliability issues with teams that have really always been in midfield that I'm like oof, okay but overall I think apart from Oster Oster oh man I think overall apart from Oscar Piastri's DNF. I think overall the rookies did make a grand impression. At least on me, they did. It was quite wonderful to see them move up some grid places and really bring out what they could with the cars given and for their teams. Um, So yeah, I think with what they were given, they did perform to their best. And of course, you know, first Grand Prix, I can imagine terrifying, but yeah, Um, listening to some of the team audios and such that happened, I think Wonderful. Um, that podium celebration, it was so exciting to see how the world of F1, um, Alonso fans, Aston Martin fans, over the moon. I also felt extremely proud because, you know, I just love seeing Hispanic men thrive. 
I love it. So Alonso just looked really happy. And of course, El Plan. Um, I did not know that he has had podium with five podiums, sorry, with five different teams. That is amazing. He's super accomplished. This is his 23rd season in F1. Um, I'm pretty sure the youngest driver is 21. So he has been driving longer than the youngest F1 driver currently on the grid has been alive. Let that sink in. Let that sink in. But um, leaving the team standing, of course, Red Bull is flying through. So current team standings after Bahrain, we have Red Bull up first with 43 points. Aston Martin second with 23 points. Mercedes in third with 16 points. Ferrari in fourth with 12 points. Alfa Romero in fifth, sorry, with four points. Alpine in second with two points. Williams, whoa, in second with two points, sorry. And sixth with two points. I was reading things funkily. Apologies. Seventh went to, whoa, wait, okay, one, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, Williams in seventh, sorry guys, with one point. Alfa Tari um, in eighth with no points. Austin ninth with no points, and then McLaren in tenth with no points. So yeah, I mean Aston Martin, Mercedes, and Ferrari really given that P two spot a fight. Of course, Aston Martin did that. Both drivers ended P two or P ten and above. So quite astonished, aston, astonish, astonishing. Jeez, cannot speak today. Quite astounding for both to finish. P10 or above, especially with Stroll's incident and with a recent injury and surgery ending in six and P6. Quite good. Quite good. Quite fresh. Quite fun. Um, but going back to predictions, sorry, we went all the way <laughs> left field with that. But I mean, I do think that if Ferrari can get their reliability under control, their fight for P2 and a win can be possible in Saudi Arabia. Um, but it is within the first couple of races that we do see reliability just kind of, you know, take a minute to get accustomed to and the changes that need to be made and implemented. But I do believe that can happen. I would love to see a Mercedes driver, um, George or Lewis, could take a podium and I would be really happy and content because part of me is a huge Mercedes fan as well. Um, I do believe that in P1 or P2, we are going to see a Red Bull driver. Which one? I'm not too sure. Quite possibly Max with his insane numbers that has been put up already. But yeah, taking into consideration, he also dominates in the world of Sim Simulator. So it is anyone's game, but it is Max Verstappen's world right now. And we're just simply living in it. Turn this shit up, Turbo. I'm so excited to talk about paddock fashion. All right. Starting up strong, Thursday, we were hit with a beautiful all red, orangey red number from Lewis Hamilton. The texture, I mean, I can imagine it was really hot in Bahrain. So I honestly, it takes a trooper. Fashion is pain, but the glasses, the all red, like he looked styling. Majority of the drivers kept it simple, wore their team attire, you know, 
sported a smile here and there. But Joe, Joe Guan Yu, let me fucking tell you, the Dior shirt matched with the black pant and the rectangle sunglasses, it's giving. All right, it is giving. He was spotted with a photo um, next to Carlos Sainz for media day. And Carlos kept it really simple, sporting the 2023 Scuderia Ferrari merch um, shirt, team shirt with some cargo shorts. Simple. I like it. Hair was giving. Um, SD Bestie came in with a jacket I can imagine was super, super hot. So props to him. But the matching jacket and shirt it was giving with the glasses. They're kind of like those really popular, interesting shapes. Giving Ray-Ban, but not Ray-Ban. Like the Outer Banks, perfect seashore sunglasses with the Pierre Gasly effect with the backwards cap sporting the new team bestie with this outfit. I mean, it was cute, really cute. gave us something different. And then um, moving on a lot of the other, you know, the other teams are just wearing or teams, other drivers on the grid kept it simple, but yeah, that was that day. And then Friday we were given even more passion for fashion it was giving but um I do want to talk about what WAGs were wearing so WAGs are stands for wives and girlfriends and is a term referred to significant others of male athletes and yeah so that's what a WAG is if you didn't know but um let's talk about this outfit from okay maybe um maybe i can't even think right now anyways let's talk about i was so excited to see her outfits from paddock this grand prix weekend from carmen montero month she is dating george russell and let me tell you she slayed on one of the first days or on race day. She wore this all black fit, black tank top, really cute with the scarf tied around her um, neck. It was really elegant. I love the detailing. The pattern was sick. Beautiful, beautiful sunglasses with a messy little um, half bun situation with some pearl earrings. Now. Anyways, um, sorry, I got a text message, <laughs> but she kept it really simple. The look, elegance, um, Isa Ernest, Isa Ernest, who is dating Carlos Sainz, sported a beautiful, beautiful dress um, on one of the countdown days of pretty sure this was media day. Beautiful, beautiful, elegant summery dress with some gladiator sandals. Me personally, I could never pull off gladiator sandals, but I love when someone else does. Issa also sported a really beautiful um, black dress situation. It looked really good. Loved it, loved it. And then when um, Carmen arrived to Bahrain around three days ago, she was rocking. Okay, it was given rich Hamptons summer. Okay, she was sporting a green long sleeve green polo with some beautiful wool pants 
sandals that were absolutely slaying. And then, of course, a Christian Dior bag accessorized with some sunglasses. I mean, she is the epitome of, wow, amazing show-stopping. And then we have Egel. I think that's how you say her name. I don't want to mispronounce this, so I will correct myself. But she was bold and it was giving. So her outfit was these jeans with some platform heels and some cutouts. Now the jeans with cutouts is a bold statement. But when I tell you some people for Grand Prix in paddock fashion, treat it like a Met in Fashion Week. I mean, it's brave. It's bold. I like it. Now, personally, I think I would have taken a different style approach to standout jeans like this, but I think she paired it marvelously with a what looks like to be a white bodysuit and a cream colored, cream slash white, off-white colored blazer, which again, the heat I can imagine, oh, super hot, but paired with some white sunnies from Prada, so accessories slayed the house boots down mama I mean it's giving she knew she was giving anyways let me continue with a more paddock fashion okay 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 oh and then she went on to Eggle moved on to a really cute number. Now, I do love seeing people like experiment with their style with different patterns. So for the top, she's wearing this cropped long sleeve, what looks like to be polka dotted or it could be sequins. It's kind of hard to tell with this angle of the photo and the lighting, but really cute shirt um, with a really, really cute crocheted type um, knitted situation the fabric is a little hard to for me to think at the top of my head I'm not a fashion um, mogul I just really like describing things and seeing looks put together with these magenta slash kind of fusion fuchsia-esque fusion fuchsia-esque heels um, which match her nails so I do like the contrast and the pull together of the fuchsia with the nails now these are colors that I I wouldn't think to put together, but seeing them, it just works. It works. And then, of course, we have Andrea Schlager. She is the partner of Fernando Alonso. Seeing her outfit, it was so cute. I really did dig it. She is sporting a cute purple tank top with an orange-esque skirt paired with some tennis shoes. She is a presenter for F1, so seeing it all it was just such a cute cute outfit and then moving on to more f1 presenters are we shocked that i am bringing up the literal it girl miss lissy mcintosh her fits this grand prix weekend were amazing starting with race day she sported her really cute tank white tank and wool pants i think they might be separate or it might be a jumpsuit and i might be totally wrong no, not a jumpsuit. I just saw like the two drastic like um, shirt. Okay. I love a simple, simple, simple like color scheme. Okay. She paired it with white rectangle sunglasses and then she has some platform tennis shoes, which 
get get height where you can love it with some silver star detailing super cute and then on one of the days she sported a gorgeous gorgeous pink japanese cherry blossom realness flowers gorgeous gorgeous dress paired with some tennis shoes of course when you are running around comfort is key and then on media day she sported a gorgeous red dress with tennis shoes um i mean keeping it simple but sometimes simplicity is the best key to fashion she really did say that she slayed and i absolutely adored it so let us continue i'm continuing to search see oh alrighty okay i can only see a close-up of kelly piquet i can't find any like away shots but she did attend i'm pretty sure she attended qualifying and she is the partner of max verstappen this beautiful slightly blush like the tiniest hint of blush what looks like to be a silk shirt paired with a um gold jewelry i dig it i dig the contrast of both colors with a textured what i can assume to be tank top light um, but really chic colors and it's giving. I mean, yeah, like it's cute. I like it. Um, oh, found another photo. Oh, definitely not blush. Okay. I was way wrong. A different photos just submerged <laughs> and it's not blush. It's definitely like an off-white cream color. Um, no hints of blush in there. I am need to get prescription changed clearly or just the photo was giving something weird. Um, going back or the photo itself wasn't giving something weird, but the lighting was really messing with it. Going back to another look. Oh my gosh. Okay. Eggle sported a denim jacket, crop denim jacket with some jeans and a cute black cropped tank top underneath. I'm not sure what day this was for, but queen of outfit changes okay it's giving i love it oh and then of course we have another look from isa ernes and she is wearing this elegant white linen top tucked into this gold silver and hints of beige skirt paired with a really really cute off-white um little crossbody bag worn like over the shoulder super cute i mean Bahrain it's super hot but I can imagine in the nighttime it does get a little bit cooler in the desert so I feel like with the fashion that we saw it was really really good it was really giving and I do want to talk about Lewis's I think it was pre-qualifying outfit why can't I think right now but I mean talking about fashion has been super fun I am gonna look up the location to see what People who attended the GP were wearing. <laughs> Alrighty. Let's see what we've got. Oh, yep. All right. The it woman of the era, Miss Susie Wolf, who is married to team CEO and team principal of Mercedes Total Wolf's wife was sported wearing a incredible, incredible blazer moment with a black undershirt, 
what it looks like. Um, black pants and an incredible black Hermé bag, which we love a Birkin moment. Um, this, I have seen another photo of this gorgeous, gorgeous patterned floral top. I do like florals with like a beautiful background and kind of like that desert-esque moment. So paired with some jeans off the shoulder moment from a fan who attended. Amazing. And I'm trying to see more photos, but again, a majority of it is race coverage. So, oh, this couple who attended wore um, some Mercedes merch with a beautiful detailed short with a pattern on it, which I guess is super cute and comfortability, obviously. Some people who attended the paddock walk or the grid walk um, got to sport some really cute all black. All black moment was really giving this. I've seen a lot of it. It's really cute. I dig it. And yeah, I mean, in terms of it all, you got to bring your A-game when attending a GP. Keep cover. And I think everyone who attended really did look good and they were really serving. So I love that. I loved getting to talk fashion for a little bit. Made me feel really warm and giggly inside because I love fashion. Um, I love the world of fashion. I love putting staple pieces together. So this was amazing. And F1 and fashion meeting. Love it. We love to see it. So thank you for tuning in to this segment. I don't know what we're going to call her, but I think it's going to be something along the lines of like, I don't know. (laughs) I have no idea, but I hope you enjoyed it. And let's move on to the next segment. I made a rookie mistake. I forgot to upload the template of if people have questions over the weekend, but in my defense, a lot was going on, okay? So I don't have any questions, but again, this is just a reminder that I do have a segment on here where I do take questions on social media platforms. They can be big or small, and if I can't answer them, I will probably DM you and be like, I probably can't answer this but we will try and figure it out. But I do cover them on here and they do on, they do go on the um, podcast. But I guess my question to you guys, if you want to DM me on any of the social medias for the podcast is, was Bahrain what you expected? Were you expecting anything different? Um, I know I've answered that in the beginning of my, of this episode, but Um, yeah, of course, stay on the lookout for our social medias. I have been super active on the TikTok, Instagram. I'm thinking of making a Twitter for the account or for the podcast, but of course, um, follow us on there and check out what we're up to or what I'm up to, I guess, um, when I'm not recording or uploading or editing, um, my podcast episode. 